Welcome back to the Go in the Match podcast after a year out with no content. Uh, very happy to say we're back and we're looking forward to bringing some fresh ideas to the pod going forward. So I'm very delighted as well to be joined today by Dan Club from the Redmen TV as we discuss what's gone wrong for Liverpool Football Club this season. Dan, thanks for giving up your time and coming back on the podcast, mate. No, you're welcome, mate. Um, pleasure to be here. Good that you're back. Made up to see you giving it another crack. Um, and yeah, like you touched upon, what better time to jump on a new podcast when the Reds are in free fall? Let's put it that way. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, firstly, let's just start by saying, obviously, last time you came on, we did a we did a, a review on Euro 2020, didn't we? And mm-hmm. since then, you've you're obviously heavily involved with Redmen TV now. So can you just give us a bit on that, how it's going for you? Yeah, it's going really well, mate. To be honest with you, I couldn't have. I've, I've, I keep saying I've struck lucky, but I suppose there's a little bit more to it than that. But yeah, um, I, I was doing my own thing. I think last time, just doing my freelance writing, cracking on, going into Red Men as a guest, sort of once, twice a week, yeah. and then a few months ago now, I went in as a guest, and at the end of the show, they just said, "Oh, Dan, like, do you want to start working here?" And I was like, "Yeah, obviously, yeah, obviously, I do." So. Sort of from that conversation about three or four weeks later, I'd stopped doing what I was doing because freelance is quite easy to sort of hand a notice in, as it were, um, and just say, yeah, and just jump straight into it about three weeks later. I've been there now for four or five months. Um, I'm loving it. Listen, like I say, again, it would be better if the Reds were boss. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I talk about football. I write about football. I tweet about football for a job. I mean, what more could you ask for? Yeah, you, you've definitely got my dream job there as well. Yeah. Um, okay, so we'll get straight into it. Um, we'll open the can of worms, I suppose, that is Liverpool Football Club this season. So what I've sort of done, I've sort of broken it down into segments to make it a bit easier for the listeners. Um, and just for context, we're recording this um, after Liverpool have just succumbed to Wolves in the league. 3-0 defeat yesterday. Um, I think we'll take it right back to last summer. Um, we'll start there and four incomings, Darwin Nunes, Cavallo, Calvin Ramsey, mm-hmm. Artem Mello on deadline day on loan. Six outgoings, Sadio Mane, Nico Williams, Minamino, Gruwich, Ben Davies and the legend that is Divock Origi. So obviously it's, it's very easy to sort of answer this in hindsight, but I was interested in getting your thoughts on the way that that window was concluded, do you think that's been a big issue, in your opinion, for where the team are currently? You'd probably have to say yes. Um, Sadio Mane going is obviously a huge blow. We all know a world-class footballer. Dragged us through a lot of games, the back end of last season in particular, single-handedly. He was superb. He was superb throughout his Liverpool career. But especially towards the back end of that season, he was outstanding. Um, so him leaving, especially at such a low fee, was always going to be a blow. We knew that. Bringing in Darwin Nunes, a very different type of player to him and a very different type of player to anything we had, really, was always going to see us change the way we play. And I think we're seeing that now. Our transition season, the evolution of Liverpool hasn't quite happened yet. Darwin Nunes is going to be brilliant, I'm certain of it, but it hasn't quite clicked for him yet at Liverpool, I think it's fair to say. The biggest one, though, for the summer for me and sort of the biggest omission from Liverpool was not signing the midfielder. I'm not saying anything that nobody knows before. We were linked with too many. All the ports suggested that we wanted too many. The money was there for him. We didn't get him. Not only did we not get him, we didn't get anyone like him at all. So that, to me, is a huge oversight. If Jurgen Klopp and Pep Linders have 
signal that we need that type of player. To go from needing him, who was a hundred million pound footballer, to nothing seems really odd to me. That's not a gap you can bridge necessarily with Artemelo. And Artemelo hadn't played in something like three hundred days, wasn't fit when he came in, is notoriously injury prone. And Jurgen Klopp, you basically made a lot of signs in midfielder. We clearly need a midfielder. And because we signed Melo, who hasn't played about 20 minutes in Napoli, I think it was, we didn't sign one at all. The, the midfielders we have, and Jurgen Klopp did this at the start of the window, or during the summer anyway, he named all the options, like Oxley Chamberlain, Navigator, and what they were and the types of player they were. And that's fine on paper when they're named. But the minute you dig past it a little bit and go, yeah, but he's injury prone, he's injury prone. The one thing nobody expected to see, and I don't want to sort of jump the gun on this too early, is the the demise of Fabinho and Jordan Henderson. Like there, well, Fabinho especially is in his prime right now in terms of age. However, I just think the amount of football they've played in the Jurgen Klopp side has ruined them, absolutely ruined them. Not in a negative way in terms of like, oh, he's... He's a rubbish player now. He's just yeah. got nothing left to give. He's got nothing left to give. And that's why, to round it all off, the summer window, it was looking back now in hindsight, was really disappointing because we clearly needed a world-class midfielder to add to that rotation, and we didn't get one. Yeah. I think with the midfield sort of conundrum at the moment, you obviously a lot see a lot of conversation you know, on social media, in the stands about the midfield, and... They sort of obviously clopped at that press conference, didn't he? When he came out and he said, We don't need a midfielder. Yeah. And then he goes and get R2 Mello on deadline day. And yeah. straight away as he's done that, he set himself up to to answer some difficult questions there. And then obviously it, it's almost that one, isn't it, where we got rid of Love and we didn't get a centre back in. You know, mm-hmm. we not brought a midfielder in. We were crying out for midfielders. And like you say, you've hit the nail on the head with Fabino and Henderson. It was difficult to sort of foresee the decline that was going to happen there. But we all know we needed midfield depth. We, we were crying out for it. And I think that loan signing on deadline day, maybe if he hadn't have done that, I could have said, oh, do you know what? He has really stuck to his guns. But he obviously knew he needed something, didn't he? Yeah, exactly that. And you're dead right because his message throughout the window was, oh, we don't need one, we don't need one. All of a sudden, he's done it before. He did it with centre-backs in 2021. When we didn't need one, then John Matip goes down. He ends up getting Ben Davis knows anchor back, obviously. So he's not averse to sort of going back on his word. And I think in the past, he's actually admitted, listen, I think he did it with his fielders. You were right, I was wrong to the press. So he doesn't mind doing that, and that's fair enough. But to then go and get Artemelo, like I've already alluded to, like not only is he not the type of player I believe we needed in terms of that combative physical presence, because I, I said this throughout the summer, long before Artemelo arrived, and really before the two of any links, we needed somebody who could rotate with Fabinho. Now, as it happens, you know, further down the line, Bajetic just coming and done brilliantly. However, nobody could have seen that either, just like Fabinho's demise. Yeah. It was pretty clear to see we needed somebody who could genuinely give Fabinho a rest every now and then because you can't expect anyone to play the amount of football that we play. We played every single game last season. Jordan Henderson played 57 games or something insane and Fabinho not too far off. So, we needed a six. We needed a proper, genuine six. Other people say, oh, Henderson can do it in Milner. That's not, it's not good enough. It's not good. We needed a genuine option and we didn't go and get one. And you're right, the signing of Arthur looks even more bizarre. And it looks even more bizarre this week to me because we're led to believe he's sort of coming back to being fit and they've not included him in the Champions League squad. 
Now, that Champions League club might only be for two games because you could get knocked out by Real Madrid, but looks worse and worse. Like, we've already known Michael Edwards is gone. We know Julian Ward is leaving. Things aren't right there. And when you're linked with midfielders throughout the entire summer, you put it off, you put it off, you put it off, and then you sign Artemelo. It's like, what's going on? It's not Liverpool. It's not the Liverpool we've come to expect, is it? Let's put it that way. Yeah, I, I, sport, I suppose sort of with them signings, Mainly the departure of Mane and the arrival of Nunes. That was the biggest shift in, in those yeah. transfers, ins and out there. And we've seen a change in style and sometimes a change in formation this season. Um, sometimes that's been result-based. Sometimes I think Klopp just wanted to change it up. It feels like that's not been implemented well or as efficient as it could have been. What's your sort of opinion on that? Because towards the back end of the season, Mane was playing in the nine. And he's brought mm-hmm. Nunes in. We, we were all thinking he was going to play in the nine. He's played in the left sometimes. Yeah. It sort of feels, from the outside looking in, there's not really been a clear plan with that formation. No, 100% there hasn't been. I think he probably did have a clear plan in mind when he made the signings and he did do the changes that he made over the summer. However, because of results and injuries, injuries have been a factor in this. Louis Diaz, the loss of him has been absolutely monumental to yeah. what... Jurgen Klopp probably had in mind, and indeed our results, because he's been superb since he arrived. But yeah, I think the Nunes one is the most interesting because we've all seen and adored the way Roberto Firmino plays that false nine role. And Sadio Mane had some aspects of it. He was strong enough to hold off defenders. He could link up really nicely in there. Darwin Nunes doesn't do any of that. Doesn't do any of that in the night. He doesn't want to do any of that. It's not really a criticism of him. He plays in a completely different way. You know, he wants to run at and in behind defenders. He wants to be the man getting on the end of stuff. So him in the false nine doesn't exist. We've seen Cody Gappo come in and do a better false nine than Darwin Nunes ever has in Liverpool shirt because it's just not the way he wants to play football, which is why we've ended up with him on the left sometimes because you do get that electric pace and you get him running at defenders and, like I say, off the shoulder of people. But yeah, he has... He has sort of toyed with different formations. We've seen him go to sort of a 4 2 3 1 a little bit. He's tried everything. He's tried everything. And I do think so much of it this season has been result based. You touched upon it there. I think he's just striving for something to click and something to work because he probably can't work out himself exactly why it's been so bad at times. Like up until very recently, he's been relatively sort of positive and not really blaming players, not caught up. But then that's changed in the last few weeks and rightfully so. But I just think all season he's been trying to get the best out of this group of players because he's got what he's got now. He knows that he's not going to get loads of money to go and fix it. Not like Chelsea. He's not going to just throw £300 million at the problem. So he's just trying to find a way, a formation, a tactic that works. And I think the biggest change recently is for a long time this season, we were going out there with that same, we're Liverpool, we're the best team in the country, the best team in Europe. We'll play our game and you'll submit to us. Your yeah. teams weren't. Teams weren't submitting to us. Teams were getting at us, and teams were seeing a vulnerability and playing at us our own game. And we were the vulnerable ones, and we were the ones sort of getting dictated to. So I think possibly after that Brighton ball in a few weeks ago, he changed his mind and thought, we just need to go back to basics and be hard to beat again and keep the back door shut. And obviously it was at Wolves in the FA Cup when we were solid, and Harvey Elliott produces a bit of magic at the other end. I think he thought, we need to keep clean sheets, and hopefully someone up the top will do something boss. And like I say, Elliott did on that occasion. But I still believe, again, I still believe Jurgen Klopp wants to play 4-3-3. That's never left my mind. Like When we were having the conversations about what he could do with the formation, what he could try, etc., etc., the whole time 
four four two or whatever. The whole time he wants to play four, he's wedded to that formation. He's had so much success with that formation throughout his career. He doesn't want to change it, and he probably won't want to change it next season. Yeah. Unfortunately, the players just haven't been capable of carrying out his instructions because, in my opinion, too many of them have run out of energy. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head that, that that sort of mass inconsistency isn't something we really associate with Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool team. It's it's bipolar this season. You know, you've yeah. seen some good results and you think that's a turning point. You think then we go away and we get beat by Brentford and you think I can't get any lower than this. And then it does. Mm. It's felt like from a fan's point of view, I don't know if you feel the same. We just don't know when we've reached rock bottom. You know, we, we have an awful result and you think, right, it must be a turning point now. And then we put a performance in against Brighton away in the league. And that sort of mentality, monsters name has been branded around. It's been tested this season, hasn't it? Mm. Have you have you ever come to a point, because I know I have personally, come to a point this season where you've thought, I'm actually calling out some of the attitude of the players and their application. Funnily enough, yesterday, um, after that Wolves game, that's actually the first time I've done it. Um, and I did it on the um, the post-match show on Red Men. Uh, and you're right, you're, you're loath to do so because you've seen so many of these players run through brick walls over the last few years for this football club and be so successful at it and win so many things. So it takes a lot to go from that and adoring the lads to go in, do you know what, I'm questioning if you actually care anymore. Like, yeah. I'm questioning if you've actually got any pride in what you're doing. Yeah. Yesterday after Wolves was the first time for me because... There just didn't seem to be any fight in any of them. Now, we've seen it in certain matches this season, but then you're right, there's a turning point. Off that. Do you know what? Maybe they are still showing a little bit. And I'm still sort of torn between lack of fight, lack of desire, lack of intensity, lack of caring with some of them. So I'm torn between that and they just can't. They just can't. They're not physically capable. Jürgen Klopp saying all the same things. They want to do all the same things. But that half a yard is just gone from too many legs. I think Fabinho, Joel Matip, possibly Thiago, and I adore Thiago. Jordan Henderson, definitely. I think there's a few more of Joe Gomez. And I think Joe Gomez has had one too many injuries. I think that's his problem. I don't think he's exhausted. I think he's had one too many injuries. Um, but there's a few names there who I think, with all their heart and soul, quite possibly do still want to go the extra mile and put in all the effort they used to. They're just incapable now. And I think that ship may have sailed for a few of them, potentially. Joel Matip yesterday is probably the case in point around this. Like, yeah. that was a performance. And Joel Matip has been so good for Liverpool, but that was a performance. It was weak. It was passive. It was tepid. And after I was just left saying, do you even, like, does he care? Like, this overhaul that we keep talking about needs to happen in the summer, which definitely needs to happen in the summer, by the way, with hopefully huge investment. Everyone's looking at obviously Oxley Chamberlain, Navi Cater, possibly James Milner, Adrian, a couple of others that will leave. You could put Joel Matip in that conversation for me, based on what we've seen recently. Like, I hate questioning whether these players care. I hate questioning whether they've got enough pride. But right now, given some of the stuff we've seen, like what it is for me is Andy Robertson recently in particular has been captain Liverpool quite a bit. He captained yesterday, obviously, but and he keeps coming out after games and saying it's not good enough. We apologise. How often can you do that? Yeah. Like how often can you keep coming out? Like and then ten minutes into a match and you see another down again. Like there's something fundamentally wrong if that's the case. Um, and I think we're seeing it sort of bear out now, and it's not gonna get any better this season. I don't imagine. 
Yeah, I mean, you've touched on it there that it, it feels like a hangover from the quadruple chasing season last year and the physical, the psychological impact I may have had on them. But yeah, I suppose taking it off the field now and looking away, you know, and looking at the, the recruitment and the staff, do you think a lot of people inside Liverpool Football Club haven't done their job from the summer onwards in terms of they should have foreseen this coming? And obviously, there's always the question around how much money we've got to spend and this mm. and the other. And do you think that, that there's any questions to be had about people within the club, you know, in terms of their role, maybe not doing what they should have done and, you know, helping this season progress? Well, quite, quite possibly. Um, in terms of investment, I think we're led to believe that, like I said as earlier, the two many money was there and available to spend. I think that was more a case of Jurgen Klopp, Pep Linders, and probably Julian Ward saying he's the one we want. If we can't get him, we'll wait. Mm. We'll wait for Jude Bellingham, potentially next one. We'll save that money. We're not going to throw that money to someone else, much like we did with Virgil van Dijk, which yeah. obviously worked out quite nicely, as we all know. So I think that strategy, like it or don't like it, I think that's the way they've gone. That's the way they will always go under this current ownership. Having said all that, there's no doubt about it. Like somebody somewhere should have known we needed fresh impetus. We needed fresh blood because... I referenced this recently, and when we signed Louis Diaz, yes, we were much better than we are right now, obviously. But he added something. He added a little bit of extra incentive to some of the players, and we went on from that signing. He added that extra spark, not only as a new signing and what he did individually, but those around him. Now, to me, after what we did last season and playing every game and chasing the quadruple, etc., adding a midfielder just to help out the lads, who knows? Them lads might have gone, oh, do you know what? I'm made up. Someone else is here. Take a little bit of the workload off me. And it sounds silly, but adding that fresh face can also just reignite a dressing room. Yeah. And Lord knows we needed it because that midfield department, you've already said it was crying out for some fresh legs, some fresh energy, and it never got it. And that's the only thing. I think the people behind the scenes, your Julian Ward, your Jürgen Klopp and your Linda, did foresee it. And that's what's so hard to understand because they knew that because they went after too many and they never got the alternative. And that is an oversight. That's quite negligent for me. To yeah. go after somebody so high profile to do nothing in the shape of Arthur Mello, because let's be frank about it, because of his injuries, he's been nothing to us. May as well not be there. Absolutely pointless, waste of time, waste of wages, et cetera, et cetera. So to go from somebody so dominant and such a figure to zero is really strange. Um, we all know how FSG run the club, like, I know a lot of people hate it. I'm not a huge fan of it myself. And much rather and Klopp was allowed more money to spend in the market, obviously. Yeah. But the biggest concern for me in terms of sort of backroom staff is just how all over the place it is. And that isn't like Liverpool either. Like Jurgen Klopp has been at pains to say whenever we've won anything, he doesn't take a lot of the credit. It's, oh, I wouldn't do it if it wasn't for X, Y, Z behind the scenes. But right now, those people behind the scenes, we didn't have a club doctor for about three months. And I know that sounds silly, it sounds so ins insignificant, but Liverpool's been such a tightly run ship for so many years that it's been dead easy. But that isn't the case now. We obviously know the FSG sales stuff, whether it be minority or majority, whichever one you want to look at. Plus the fact that Michael Edwards left, Julian Ward is leaving, Ian Graham, who's a huge part of the data science side of things behind the scenes, is leaving the club in the summer as well. Mike Gordon, who's the one that everyone sort of lauds for running the entire club, has stepped away from his role. It's a mess. And it's a mess off the field, and it's a mess on the field. So 
I don't blame Liverpool fans for being concerned. I don't blame Liverpool fans for calling out FSG. I don't blame Liverpool fans for wondering just exactly what the future holds. It's worrying. And this summer coming is going to be absolutely huge. And I don't want to sound like one of them journalists who said, oh, big summer for Liverpool. But my God, it needs to be. Yeah, no, I think I completely agree. I think the sort of circus and staff that we've had yeah. has caused this mass conversation, hasn't it, on social media and sometimes within the ground. I've I felt it's not like, healthy, is it? It's not healthy. Like no. we Liverpool have been ran, whether you like say whether you like FSG or not, everything's always been in order. Michael Edwards is leaving, Julian Ward's taken over. It was all very synchronized. It all made a lot of sense. And Jurgen Klopp quite clearly enjoyed that fact. All of a sudden now we're hearing about Klopp himself getting more power over transfers. Nobody knows who Julian Wall's success is going to be. Apparently, they're not sorting it out until he's gone. FSG, like I say, aren't exactly front and centre anymore. They're not like, oh, yeah, we're here to stay forever. Who knows what the situation is? It's a mess. And it things aren't good on the pitch, things aren't good off the pitch, like I say. And when that's the case, it doesn't particularly bode well. Um, we need some... And the thing is, as well, just to round, we need some clarity because no one knows. Like, yeah. originally, it was FSG have put the club for sale. Oh, no, they only want to sell a little bit. We need answers on all of this stuff. Otherwise, it just creates this mass confusion and argument and dispute on Twitter. And listen, that's a common theme now. But I get it. I do understand because it's nice to know how your football club is and what sort of hands it's in. And right now, I'm not sure we do. Yeah, I think, again, I feel sorry for Klopp because he spent so many years, so many seasons galvanising our fan base. And I know it's a bit cheesy and it's a bit cliche, but that doubt is to believe is was real. Yeah, real, real thing. And and all of a sudden it's just slowly starting to divide the fan base on potential ownership. You know, yeah. at the time of time of recording, like you were just saying, then FSG haven't been transparent whether this is going to be a full sale of the club, if it's extra investment alongside themselves. Mm. What sort of... Uh, sorry, so the thing says, one could just on that as well, the thing with that doubt is for believers, just like the mentality monsters as well, is those things take a long time to sort of get right. And Jürgen Klopp was really stressing that fact. And it did take a long time to really believe the mantra and what he was trying to achieve there. It doesn't take very long for that invincibility to sort of depart. And very quickly, we see what we had now, a few bad months. And I know it's been a really bad few months, but compared to what was going on earlier, this is grim. And all of a sudden, half the fan base, if not more, are going, I'm not sure anymore. I'm not sure. Just like our opponents, we've gone from being oh, the worst team in the world to play against. <laughs> Two bad games, everyone's like, yeah, we'll take on Liverpool. Why not? These things take a long time to build up, but they evaporate very quickly, as we're seeing. Yeah. Do you think as well, maybe you've seen the fruits of his frustration in his press conferences? Obviously, he had a bit of a snipe. James Pierce yesterday, he's getting very touchy in his press conferences, Klopp, isn't he? And I think even may, maybe our own fans would turn a blind eye to stuff like that in the past. But I think that one yesterday, people have sort of, you know, had our eyebrows raised, haven't they? Yeah, 100%. He doesn't like the Athletic. Anyway, does he? Let's be honest, Klopp. He's never been a huge <laughs> fan of that particular publication. Um, no, yeah, I think you're right. And I think in the recent weeks in particular, it's, it's been impossible to hide from, hasn't it, in recent weeks? We've got to be Jürgen Klopp was the master of deflection for a long time. Some might call it burying his head in the sand and be like, oh, no, we'll be okay. Don't worry about us. We'll crack on. That's in part because he knows he's just got to deal with the players he's got at his disposal. He can't do a lot about it. So if he starts calling out players, that's only going to end one way. It's not a positive thing for him to do whatsoever. So he needs to galvanise. He needs to keep everyone together, keep saying the right things. 
But on the flip side of that, I think he's had enough of that himself in recent weeks. He's gone a little, he's under pressure quite clearly. Most of it's self inflicted. I imagine he knows it's not good enough right now. Us as fans, you know, aren't putting much pressure on him, let's say that. And rightfully so, in my opinion. He's the best asset Liverpool Football Club have got. Whatever happens, he always will be. Um, but yeah, he's probably thinking it's not good enough. And he's coming out firing a little bit in press conferences. He went at James Pearce. As far as I know, the only thing James Pearce wrote that Klopp took sort of umbrage with was back in 2021. So if he's bringing that back up, then he really is a man under pressure because it's two years nigh on and a bit probably since that was wrote. So... Yeah, he's showing signs of cracking a little bit, let's say. Um, and he's also called out Fabinho this week, more than he's probably ever called out any footballer, as far as I can remember, yeah. because he said it wasn't clicking for him, which isn't particularly scathing. But for Klopp, who never says anything negative about his players, for him to say that and to obviously drop him from the squad entirely, which we believe was illness, but... Yeah, I'm not convinced myself because Jurgen Klopp has gone public now and said that things aren't right with Fabinho. It's one thing dropping him or putting him on the bench for a few games and letting Bajetic play, but to then come out and say, yeah, it's not clicking for him, that's pretty strong words, I would say, because he's not going to go much harder than that. But we've all seen it's more than not clicking for Fabinho, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, so we've had some questions in sent in from our listeners. So firstly, thank you for them. And it is something this time around I'm more hyper aware that I need to do. Um, and in terms of getting more interactive with the audience. So first up, we have a question from James Cahill who asks, um, why is Klopp not freshened the squad and sold players when coming into the last two two and a half years? of their contract and signed younger players, keep up the great work you're doing. So we sort we sort of touched on that, but I mean it's a bit more in depth, isn't it? So yeah. why why do you think is the the sort of direct reason as to why he's not maybe looked at players like Oxley Chamberlain, your Milners, your Caters, and yeah. shifted them on and brought new youth in? Well, Gina Wijnaldum and Divock Origi before that as well. And yeah, listen, I think it's a very good question, first and foremost. And I think it's I think it's a loyalty thing. It's something I've said before. It's probably Jurgen Klopp's biggest strength in terms of what he can achieve with a group of players because he's such a brilliant man-manager. We've seen it. People adore him. People, after, I worship the man. But his players adore him as well. And even opposition players half the time adore him because he's so likeable. Yeah. And that's such a strength of his. And so much of that is because of the way he treats people. He creates a genuine friendship with so many of his players, it seems, and that means he can get the best out of them. They're willing to run that extra half a yard because it's for Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. That's one of his biggest, biggest strengths. However, on the flip side of that, when it comes down to making ruthless decisions about these players who've ran through brick walls for him, he doesn't seem to want to do it. Now, Naby Keita is a case in point. He still speaks positively about Naby Keita. He did it in the summer. He said about, oh, we haven't got a midfielder like him. He's this, he's that, he's the other. And he is, that's boss. But he's injured 90% of the time. You've yeah. got to be ruthless. Pep Guardiola has always been ruthless with Jao Cancelo. Let's be honest. Like He had a little fallout with him. He was in Bayern Munich two days later. I'm not saying Jürgen Klopp should be as ruthless as that, but he needs that little bit of cutting edge. But I think he finds it hard because of the relationship he forms with his players. And they've all done so much for him. We've all they've all won so much for him as well. James Milner's another example, Oxley Chamberlain, because they've been part of this group that have managed to achieve so much. Then on the flip side, when he wants to go, do you know what? I really need to get rid of you. I think he finds that hard. 
Yeah, I think because he likes them as people. They like him as people. I think he finds it hard to be that cutting. I need to replace you because you're not going to do this for me anymore because you're injured all the time. I don't know if he's got that in him. And that, it sounds really negative because I do think it's a huge strength of his. His loyalty is a huge strength of his because that means, like I've already said, people will go the extra mile for him. However, when it comes to transfers and probably sort of cutting ties with people when it's the right time, he can't do it because he likes them too much. I honestly think it's as simple as that. It sounds silly, but I think Joel Matip's another example. We might see in the summer of changing mentality when it comes to this. But I think Joel Matip probably should go in the summer. I mean, he's 31 now, picks up a lot of injuries, performances aren't great. In the last year of his contract, when it comes around to this summer, if we sell him, that's the right time to sell him. But in previous seasons, we've wondered though, we've seen it with Roberto Firmino. He's still been bossed this season, so he's a slightly different example. But he could walk away for free at the end of this season, as things stand. That isn't healthy. That isn't healthy. That's not the way we need to be running. And I do believe, genuinely, unfortunately, a lot of it sounds a Klopp's loyalty. No, I completely agree with that as well. Uh, we've got we've got a final question here from a good friend of mine, Keith Salmon. Uh, we're hoping to have him back on the pod in the near future as well. Um, he asks, how does the back room go from stable and successful to chaotic in no time at all. Michael Edwards leaves, but Julian Ward does not even last a season before Bale. Mm. what is going on. Again, we sort of touched on it, but it is a good question in terms of why is Julian Ward, you know, jump ship in less than a year? Yeah, well, I actually spoke to Neil Jones about this uh, about a month or so ago on a show for Redman and... Neil Jones um, obviously knows a lot about these sort of things. He's the gold correspondent for Liverpool. And he, is the day after, or the day it happened, even the day after the day it got announced that Ward would be leaving. And essentially, he said that it isn't the job that Ward took, really, because Mike Gordon was a big part of the, the, of the role. He was going to be working closely alongside him. And then Mike Gordon was kind of shifted off to sort of deal with the sale or the imminent or potential sale. So I don't think he was quite enamoured with the role as it was thereafter. Um, but it keeps right, it is a, it's a huge concern mm. that the back room, there is so much upheaval in the back room, because like we've already said, this has been a club ran on transparency. They've made some bad decisions along the way, FSG, of course they have, but generally speaking, when it comes to back room decisions, they've got things right, like appointing Michael Edwards was the right decision, appointing Klopp, giving Klopp a contract extension. They have done smart things along the way, you know, a few terrible things dotted in to the Super League, trademark in, ticket prices, etc. Yeah. But right now, we've already sort of touched upon it, but yeah, the the overall, the overriding feeling with the backroom staff right now is negative because so many people are moving on, so many key players are leaving the roles and we don't actually know who will own the club in a couple of months' time. So it's really odd and it's not a nice feeling at all. Yeah, again, I, I completely agree. It, it, it really is. It's quite depressing to sort, sort of say how the answers are there. Why aren't they getting answered? Like you said earlier, it'd be easier if there was a spokesperson yeah. in the club to just, you know, put our mind at rest. But I'm going to hit you with one final question from myself. Um, and it is sort of the million-dollar question. Um, is how, how do we fix this going forward? You know, are, are there any quick fixes? Um is this just going to be something that us as fans need to accept? It's a transition season and, you know, if that is the case, we need to see little things that will give us hope for next year. You know, how, how do we progress going forward? 
Yeah, I'd love to say the answer is Jude Bellingham fixes everything, but I think I'd be lying. Um, there's going to be a huge part of it, I'm absolutely certain. But yeah, I think you touched on it there, really. I think we we need to see little signs of improvement, little things to cling on to uh, the next season. I don't think it's going to be a smooth sailing between now and the end of this season at all. This is now, to me, pretty much a write-off. You know, see what we can do in the Champions League, a la 2005, let's see what happens. Who knows? Stranger things have happened, I think. But it's going to be hard. Um, we're going to see some decent performances mixed in with some bang average ones. Hopefully nothing as bad as what we've seen at Wolves and Brighton because they were they were pretty damn low. That was, you know, we, we were sort of, sort of salvaging the wreckage from some of them. I think they were really poor. But yeah, I think it's just going to be about building any sort of semblance of form before next season. Just little signs. That, oh yeah, that makes sense. Because I don't think anyone's quite sure. We mentioned sort of the off-field plan. The few people question the on-field plan right now, the sign of Cody Gakpo being a massive part of that conversation because we had loads of boss forwards. Yes, two of them were injured, I think Firmino as well at the time. But we have loads of options. So why have we had the Gakpo? Is he going to be a left winger? Is he Firmino 2.0? We need to see, and Darwin Nunes obviously banging more goals, and, and Salah's return to form. God, I could go on forever. But we need to see <laughs> signs that these things are happening. And it's not going to be perfect, make no mistake about it, but we need to see signs that this transition season, which is what it definitely is now, can turn into something really good again. I've no doubt that will come again, particularly with Jurgen Klopp at the helm. I've got absolutely no doubt about that. I've got every faith in the man. I think it needs a decent amount of money thrown at it in the summer. There's no two ways about that. You're probably looking for me at sort of six or seven players leaving the club. And I'd say three or four coming in, including new centre-back and the rest of midfielders. Outside of that, I'd be quite happy, um, really happy, in fact. But yeah, I think between now and the end of the season, in terms of fixes, we just need some more consistency. I don't think we want to be consistently brilliant, but a general consistency and some general green shoots that give us fans something to go, oh, do you know what? I can see what we're trying to be. I can see what we're trying to do again. It makes sense. And given time and given a couple of new signings, that will work. Because right now, it's not happening. And even down to, I know I'm going on, even down to as small as Gapo and Nunes sort of interchanging, not playing the same position all the time, that needs to stop. We need some settled sight of what's going to be the future. Yeah, well, me and the boys have got Real Madrid away booked. And we're definitely not going for the football. We're going for the, uh, yeah. the sang- we're going for the sangria and the paella. So, uh, Dan, just a massive thank you for obviously giving up your time today coming on. I really appreciate it. And obviously no with everything with Redmen going forward. Nice one, mate. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. As much as it was negative topics, I suppose, it's been a pleasure <laughs> to talk about it, mate. Nice one.